we are back in action. The sideline scoop returns. Um, Hamish, me and you, we're back. We're talking sport. We've been out for a couple of weeks, but we're ready to rock and roll. And we've got two podcasts for listeners this week. Is that right? That is completely right. We've gone uh, podcast daft this week. I think we're making up hopefully for for lost time. Um, due to my, my lack of internet connection last week But we've got um, loads and loads to chat about We'll be talking tennis, um, football, horse racing, Formula 1, darts and more And then of course we'll have a separate podcast um, that will be with you Hopefully on Thursday morning talking about the upcoming Masters Golf Yes, so we'll, we'll run through, we'll, we'll avoid the, the Masters completely So if you are looking mm. for some Masters chat there will be a podcast out tomorrow as you listen to this or later on today, depending on when you're listening. But we'll, we'll start off um, with tennis. I think we quite often do that. Yes. But um, it, it, it means it's it's the same again. It's Roger Federer. who just <laughs> he's continues to do what he's doing and continues to beat Rafa Nadal as well. Um, what's going on? Well, Nadal must just be wondering kind of what's what is going on because he's <laughs> he's started the year really well, Rafa Nadal. And if it wasn't for Roger Federer, we'd be talking about the rebirth of Rafa Nadal this year. As it is, mm-hmm. he's been completely outshone by Roger Federer as he was for most of the Australian Open final um, and as he certainly was uh, in, in the final of the Miami Open when he lost 6-3, 6-4 to Roger Federer it's Federer's, um, I think it's his third victory of the year mm-hmm. he's played out of his skin um, and he's now wanting 10 weeks off before Roland Garros You know, and I think he, he quite deserves it to be yeah. honest he's, he, he won the Australian Open after many had written him off he never won another slam and then he comes back and, and he wins Indian Wells and uh, he's, he's won Miami. It's like it's like the, the biggest competition's out with the slams. He's winning them as well as performing in the yeah. in the Grand Slams. I mean, and it's yeah. it's quite staggering, really. Yeah, we've spoken about Roger Federer before, I think, almost in every podcast so far, talking mm. way back from the first podcast when I think he was just been crowned the Australian Open winner. And um, we, we keep talking about how good he is and there's always a caveat to the fact that Djokovic is struggling with injury, same goes for Andy Murray, but you can't mm. take anything away from Roger Federer. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how the two main kind of protagonists in the last few years, Murray and Djokovic, respond to this when they come back, because Federer right now is the best player in the world. There's an argument that Roger Federer is playing as well as he ever has, which again is absolutely incredible to get your head round. And with him taking, I think it's seven, eight weeks until the start of Roland Garros, he's taking the time mm. off before then. We know Clay isn't his preferred surface, but I mean, who's to say he can't go and win this one? Who's to say he can't go and win all four this year? I know that that's probably to a lot of listeners sounds absolutely crazy, but I mean the mm-hmm. way the way he's playing at the moment, nobody fit at the moment with the slight exception in my mind of Nick Kyrgios um, could come close to beating him Aye, It's interesting to bring up Kyrgios I just wanted to touch on the the fact that the, the rankings um, after Miami came out and it was Andy Murray obviously still well well clear at the top Djokovic, Favrinka yeah. and then Federer and Nadal 4 and 5 the, the the big guns are back and it means they're going to be seeded highly for the, the tournaments yeah. and when you go down further the rankings you look for anybody under the age of 25 mm. And you have to go to number nine before you can get that. It's Dominic Thiem, mm. and then below him um, is Kyrgios. He's number sixteen. He's only twenty one. So yeah. older guys are doing the business, and it's it's quite staggering, like the, the the longevity that these guys are having. It's interesting that this year has been a year for for the oldies and both the men and the women's side. And uh, when you look at some mm. of the winners and uh, the women's game that we touched on last week, and even just the finalists and the, the guys and girls getting to the, the latter rounds, but. 
it's almost as if tennis is a sport at the moment where it's really hard to break into your top, certainly on the men's side, into the top 10 in the world, uh, unless you are older and you've got that experience. I don't know if that's just a quirk of the rankings, if it's the fact that it's now a two-year cycle as opposed mm. to the old one-year cycle, the fact that Andy Murray um, is number one in the world at the moment. Andy Murray isn't the best player in the world at the moment. So, I mean, it's stuff like that is it's quite interesting. But I think just keep talking about Federer. It's going to be a pity we're not going to see him until Roland Garros. But I've, I've got a funny feeling if I was betting on anyone at the moment to win Roland Garros, and I know he's, he's only ever won it once compared to Nadal's nine or whatever it is, that uh, I think Federer could well go and do it in Roland Garros. Do you think, do you think this time off is going to hamper him in terms of, of, of not playing on clear? Or do you think he'll be practising hard? without actually playing competitive matches. Well, he took a big break before the Australian Open, didn't he? And True. look at the way he started this year. So it clearly he isn't the kind of player who needs a run of games to be good. I think everyone knows that is he's just a, a fantastic... Probably there's an argument that maybe when you compare it to the other four at the top five at the moment, they have Avrinka, Murray Djokovic and Nadal, that they've all had to work for it. And I'm not mm. saying for one minute that Federer hasn't had to work for it, but those four have maybe had to work harder for it. It seems to come to Roger Federer. And I think that the quality that he's shown, um, I think he'd be, you'd get pretty short odds on him winning at least one more Grand Slam this year, which is, is almost unthinkable before the Australian Open. I mean, me for one, I didn't think he would ever win another Grand yeah. Slam again and he's gone on to this start, start of the year has been like he's dominated everything yeah right so we'll, we'll move from somebody who's won all the Grand Slams loads of times to someone who has been talked about as a future Grand Slam mm. winner Joanna Conta picked up the, the women's version of the Miami Open she had great wins semi-final win over Venus Williams mm. and Caroline Wozniacki in the final she's in the top 10 now in the, the world rankings can't she do it? Well, she was she was asked about um, asked about whether she feels there's a big gap between getting into the top ten and the top three, and she was very quick to say that some of the players she's beaten, the likes of Wozniacki, who she beat six four six three in the final, are mm. are really tough players to beat, and I would agree with her to to a certain extent. Um, I think I think she is a future winner. She's she's a real class act, she's a quality player I just wonder to me whether when it comes down to the fact she's starting to get noticed and I think it was like a watershed moment of the weekend when she won it, obviously by far the biggest title she's ever won but I heard lots of comparisons to crazy stuff, to Virginia Wade winning Wimbledon in the 70s like the right. that this was kind of that monumental a victory and um, it's, it's kind of hard to get that into your head, it just seemed like a run of the mill victory but I mean it's a you see the prize money almost a million pounds. It's a big tournament. It's this kind of run of tournaments with the BNP Paribas, Indian Wells, and Miami Open are seen as two of the the big hardcore ones in the middle of or near the start of the season and um, the kind of mm-hmm. the start of the second quarter. And she is she's playing so well at the moment. Um, my only question mark would be whether she can handle it when it comes round to Wimbledon. And she's now known about. She now is the the big player on the women's side, and people are going to be expecting expecting big things from her at Wimbledon Aye, she, she, she was going into this match and as, as favourite she, she'd already beaten Wozniacki the last time they, they came up against each other Yeah. so it maybe wasn't such a shock that, that she managed to win but yeah. as you say how, how is she going to be able to handle that tag of favourite instead of this unknown quantity coming through well it's an interesting one you only have to look though June 2015 she's sitting world number 146 <laughs> she, she's now going to be 7th 
um, our mm. highest ranking she's ever been. She's only going one way at the moment. And if you would have told her that back, what, less than two years ago, that she would have mm-hmm. just won um, Miami Open, beating all these big players on the way and beating players who were in the draw, and she came out on top. Um, I, I think it's incredible. She's also won other WTA titles last year. And she really, you can't talk highly enough, they've got a real... Britain's got a real kind of women's player there to be proud of and there's no reason, certainly looking at the Grand Slams, I don't know about the clay, I don't, I don't particularly know if she, she's any good in clay, but certainly the hard court, there's no reason, hard court in Wimbledon, why she can't get to the second week, there is no reason for that at all and then after that it just kind of match by match. Yeah, and I think she's going to be expected to get to the second week to be honest with yeah. you. Um, it's, it's a difficult one though because I, I feel terrible saying this, but how... How much affection do you have for her in, in terms of as a, as a British tennis player? Because let's put it out there, she, she's not British. Yeah, you only have to listen to her accent, don't you? That, that, that's it. So I don't know if is it the same thing as, as Greg Rosetsky. Um, we we, mm. we we learn to to love this player and we claim them as as their own. Um, I, I don't know if it's maybe just jumping on the back that she's very very successful. She's actually a very good player. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you're, you're just hoping she can go and go on and win more, I suppose. There was always a feeling that Laura Robson was like the golden child, wasn't there? And, and she was mm. the one who everyone wanted to do well, and for whatever reason, it's not quite worked out for her. But I don't know if Joanna Conta is um, is going to be ever going to be seen as being that kind of loved by the the British public. But I don't think she really has to be, to be honest. If she's winning tournaments so. and she's going far in Wimbledon, that'll probably change a lot. And I don't think it'll really bother to her. Her main her main thing will be a winning as many Grand Slams as she could, as she want, and b probably getting to the world number one at some stage in her career. And I think she's probably capable of both, to be honest. Yeah, no, absolutely. But we'll move on. Last thing in tennis, the the Davis Cup, and we spoke about this a couple of podcasts ago when when uh, Team GB came through against Canada, we said at the time the French team was going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. And we can see with Gilles Simon dropping out, automatically replaced by Jeremy Chardy. And I would go as far to say, out with Jeremy Murray, the double Chardy is probably better than anybody that the Team GB have. Yes. On on their day, not to say the guys like Evans and Edmund aren't, aren't absolutely firing on all cylinders, but it's indoor, it's in clay. You need to fancy the French for this, I think. Yeah, I think Britain will be well. Um, big outsiders, um, and and this one obviously the big the big story that most people, um, I'd assume, listen to this would know is that Andy Murray has been missing for for a good period of time now it seems, and he will be absent in this. Um, it's a is it a hand injury he's got. Am I right? Yeah, in saying I think that? it's elbow, elbow, elbow injury. You're right. You're spot on. It's an elbow injury, um, and Andy Murray won't be on this team. So the British team will be made up of um, Dan Evans, Kyle Edmund, and, and Jamie Murray and Dominic Inglot in the doubles. So Kyle Edmund, I think, is a player, especially in clay, with his power strokes and his, his big serve, could um, could theoretically beat. Um, one one of the French players. My worry is Danny Evans, who's actually ranked higher than Kyle Edmund. I don't know if Danny Evans is has got it in him to produce a, a big result. I think France will win. Hopefully, Britain can maybe get it down to the last game or the last day. Anyway, the two singles mm. matches on the Sunday make it interesting. But the the French team, it's, they're solid players. Nothing particularly scary about them. If we had Andy Murray, I would be back in Britain big time. 
but um, GLC Mongon out, replaced by Jeremy Chardy, um, also Lucas Pouillet, Nicolas Mahou and Julian Beneteau in, in the French team, managed by Yannick Noah, of course, or coached by Yannick Noah, famous tennis player. So you would you'd fancy France to be to be too strong for Britain here, but my only thing is I can I hope that Britain can can kind of make it close. Um, mm. I think looking at some of the other games, um, there's I mean Serbia are in action that that yeah. could be interesting. United States, so um, there's lots of games there. I think Britain, obviously defending their crown, will find it difficult, but there's there's lots of good tennis to look forward to this weekend. I th- I was just looking at the odds. France are one to four on. Yeah. To to be to be in your best odds are fourteen to five for for Great Britain. It's interestingly though, France are without. You need to remember they're without Monfils. They're Gasquet. without Songa and they're without Gasquet. Mm. Three players that would would automatically you would imagine come into that team and their their second favourite still have the the, the trophy yeah. the forty one. If that's worth a few quid, um, yeah, in the, in the long haul, uh, if you like a, a wee long haul bet, the forty-one France and seventy-two Serbia are the favourites to win it. But they've got Djokovic back for them, so that that's a big so, one. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's massive. So, so there you go. The, the Davis Cup, uh, the game seventh and ninth of April, I think live on the BBC. So, um, so some decent tennis, some terrestrial TV, if you if you want to tune in. But as we say, don't be expecting a, a GB victory. But if one came, we'd be we'd very much welcome it. Right, David Moyes. <laughs> what has he been up to? Explain. Well, that's a very interesting one. Um, well, do, do you want to play the clip first? And right, then, we'll and let, then, let the listeners yeah. listen to what it is. So here is David Moyes, and this is why he's in the, in the press this week. We're just getting a wee bit naughty at the end there, so just watch yourself. And you, might get a, looking, you still might get a slap even though you're a woman. <laughs> so there we go. You, you hear that. And the, you can tell by the way he comes across that he's trying to come across as a jokey kind of way. Yeah. But for me, that is completely out of line. I don't know if you agree. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about this one. I think we, we've been having a good conversation in our, our group chat. Um, it's kind of just been, been going on in the background. This is a story that seems to have grown legs since the weekend. It's an mm. interesting one. My opinion is very much that it doesn't particularly reflect well on anyone. Um, you know, me and you and a lot of other people are, are often quite defensive of the media. I, I think um, some media outlets have been portraying this as if David Moyes has said this in a serious, threatening manner. Anyone who just has to listen to the comments about, um, I might give you a slap, even though you're a woman, um, needs to, needs to realise David Moyes is saying it in a jokey tone, uh, the female in question is also laughing in the background you can hear so she clearly hasn't taken offence to this she also it was an employer I think that first raised it however I think as you say the comments are wrong I think if you gave David Moyes time again he would retract the comments and he just he just wouldn't say them it, it was kind of you were kind of cringing listening to it weren't you it was strange comments to make like it, it wasn't particularly funny I mean the, the stuff about you were getting a wee bit cheeky there Fair enough, but the, the slapping comment—it just—it wasn't didn't re- reflect particularly well at all on David Moyes. But I think we're in danger of going a little bit over the top in our condemnation of the comments. I think it was a little bit of a joke, and uh, I, I would just kind of—I'd give David Moyes a slap in the wrist and just say, like, come on. And I think he probably doesn't need that. Actually, he probably realised, like, I should probably watch what I'm saying, but. Mm. Um, 
I wouldn't go over the top. I don't think they were. They certainly weren't serious comments in terms of the way he said it. They certainly weren't threatening. Certainly weren't threatening. We should emphasise that. So no. I don't know what you think, Paul, but I, I personally would just give him a wee, a wee slap in the wrist and uh, excuse the pun and, uh, and move on. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the comments, you have to take them in, in a serious but not so serious way. Mm. Like You can tell by his tone, he's, he's absolutely having, he's trying to have a joke. The joke and in, in the way he's doing it, it's outdated. It's not something that really should be around in this kind of day and age. And the benefit of the doubt I'm giving him is that he's a man of a certain age where that joke would be part and parcel of life um, 20, 30 years ago. And I'm not, not making that as an excuse, but that's yeah. the kind of time that he would have been grown up in. And a lot of other people would, would, take, would, would take it in the same kind of way. And I understand that, but... Uh, just to to go back slightly to the to the journalist in question, to me the, the laugh kind of comes across as slightly nervous. I don't know if that's just me. Um, that Possibly. That this is like she can't really react in any other way because the persona of the guy and the pressure that she yeah. must feel like as a female journalist in that kind of uh, environment, it must be difficult as well as being singled out for a comment like that yeah. guys like David Moyes need to be aware that the cameras and, and microphones are always on they they, they should know better than this and, and folk have been sacked for less the, the the fact that he's a football manager might just have got him away with it but if this yeah. was someone say for example Jeff Sterling or, or one of the guys on Super, uh, Soccer Saturday on, on Sky Sports they could have been giving their jotters for this I, th- yeah. I, I, I genuinely think that um, but it's maybe slightly got gotten away with it and, I would actually condemn Sunderland more for jumping to his defence. So yeah, the comments from, from Sunderland, um, they were they said the remarks were wholly unacceptable and such actions are not condoned or excused in any way. However, they said they would continue to fully support uh, David Moyes as as the manager of Sunderland. Um, I, I get I get your point completely about the the fact it was a nervous laugh and the, the more I think about it, listening back to it, I do agree with that. I just wonder if that has anything to do with the gender or if it just is the fact that you know what journalists are often like when managers are pandering to to please the manager in person then they'll they'll stab them in the back when they're writing about them it's often that that kind of threat of the manager holds all the cards because if the manager says look I'm just not going to speak to you again the journalist loses their story so I I just wonder if regardless of gender if the fact that they're always kind of giggling away that kind of awkward like yes 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 type thing Um, but there, there certainly was a it was an awkward listen, wasn't it? It was just it was an the way he said it. It was almost it was almost a little bit creepy, um, rather mm. than anything else. And uh, yeah, as I say, I, I would move on, but um, I wouldn't. It doesn't reflect particularly well on David Moyes, I don't think. No, that, that that's it. So David Moyes, I think he should focus on trying to keep Sunderland up, which he, he won't be doing. Yeah, um, they're not, they're struggling badly. So, so there you go. But that's if if MD's got views on that, we're more than willing to kind of have a chat about it and stuff like that. There's lots and lots of views out there, and people having their own thoughts and feelings about it. But that's what we think um, on a, a a situation that's maybe. I don't know, we don't like to talk about football and we always kind of bring it up when it's newsy stuff like that but yeah. David Moyes, um, not in the good books shall we say This Saturday it is, of course, the first weekend in April, first Saturday in April, Grand National Time Chance to lose your money Absolutely, oh, for me, the last two, the last three years I have actually won cash so I'm uh, quietly confident I'm going for three out of four It's probably just like you take this one then Paul, who are you tapping? <laughs> I, I, I honestly, you can't tip the Grand National, can you? 
last year uh, rule the world and yes. I backed that because I'm a fan of Take That. Did so you? Really? I, did, I absolutely did. Me yeah. and my brother, um, we backed it and we, I can't remember, we, we, we backed five horses, I think, and we put in a few quid in each. I think we got out of the, I think paid five places, we got two places in the winner. Yeah. We ended up with a couple of hundred quid each. It was absolutely magic. Um, but it's hard to, it's very hard to pick. You're looking through the, the list, the 40 list, the one name that jumps out it's cause of causes. Um, if it can go the distance, then it should be there or thereabouts. There's other names that have been there and they've been so like they've been there for so long. Um, you're just looking through Vincente, yeah. um, Scottish Grand National winner last year. Paul Nichols trained, so you're always going to have a decent horse there. Mm. Um, who else have we got? We. Um, You've got V, v Leon Rouge, um, yeah. good jumper, um, and then the other ones that you can go. I don't know. Uh, there's Wounded Warrior. I think I backed that horse last year, the year before, in a in a kind of pre race to the Grand National, right? And I think done all right, but it's not a a good horse for for winning. So, so how, how do you pick your bit. horses then? Do you, do you is it just luck? Is it names? Is it um, the coat still game? I like the pretty patterns in the jockey's jersey. What, <laughs> what, what do you? How do you look at it? Oh, for not normal betting, I'll look at a lot of things. But for Grand National, I will. I'll look at. Um, I'll look at. The, I will look at the names of the horses and I'll look at the odds and stuff like that. And generally, I'll go with one outsider, like a fifty to one, a hundred to one shot. I'll generally go one in the kind of middle field, kind of thirty threes or something like that, and then I'll pick two or three that'll be that have a chance. If it was a normal race, such as like a, I'll usually go Paul Nichols trained horses, or maybe go with with O'Neill or somebody like that, um, and then I always try and pick out one jockey and like that I've looked at looked at for the full year, yeah. and I probably will go with Sam Twist and Davis, but. I'll I'll have a look at the full card on Saturday morning and and then I'll pick. But then it jumps out at you. Any any names? Um, I've as you know, I don't really, I don't really bet in the horses. But I've got um, there's one here that I like the name. Yeah, sorry, I don't I don't mind the name, but I like the the jersey on one for Arthur. It's a um salt tire. It's like blue with the obviously the the white cross across it and I think it's kind of maroon sleeves one for Arthur 12 to 1 so decent odds mm, but not, um, not too not too far but uh, I, is, that, is that the favourite? no I not quite well be. not quite um, that one the Rouge one you were talking about I think is just the favourite but that's where um, well, as I say I don't I don't bet on the, the horses but that's uh, where I'll put my um my what, how to say it the mutual kind of or my my mind will be uh, hoping that he wins but um, no I, I won't bother it's too there's too big a field I think as um, as luck um, but yeah I'll um, I think I think that's your one so if you out there want to lose some money at my expense uh, stick on one for Arthur at twelve to one right I'll I'll take three horses and I will probably back them just because I've said them cause of causes as I mentioned mm. you'll probably get best price around 14 to 1 Vier Leon Rouge is 10 to 1 just now but it might drift out slightly and the other one that I had is Highland Lodge uh, 25 to 1 but good good each way bet so um, come back and shout at me when they all fall <laughs> at the first yeah <laughs> yeah well but, I think it's worth pointing out um, can you 
slightly off the topic of the actual race itself, there was some some quite nice news today with the fact that um, Bradley Lowry, a little boy you may, a lot of the listeners may be familiar with, he's battling um, a rare form of, of cancer, um, that he's going to be kind of treated to a nice day out at entry on Saturday and he's been given an honorary 41st place in, in the Grand National uh, field. Um, so he's five years old, he suffers from neuroblastoma. Um, I think uh, um, it's pretty in- incurable and I think he's, he's um, it's kind of pretty pretty sad story, obviously, and I think a lot mm. of people are familiar with. He's the, the wee the wee boy who's a, a Sunderland fan, and he's he's been on the pitch at the stadium a late before, and he's got a big affection for Jermaine Defoe. Really uplifting images you see, and it's it's going to be similar stuff, I think, on Saturday. So fair play um, to to the Grand National, to the the organisers at entry for 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 treating this wee boy today out, and um, hopefully him and his family have a have a good day. Yeah, no, that's superb to see. Like some like he was, he was mascot at the, the England game, mm. um, last that last I would be last month, and he also um, if memory serves me correctly, won the goal of the month award. He did, he I think. On, yes. I, I think he came on at half time and scored at, at Stadium of Light. So, uh, no, brilliant to see. And he said uh, his his silks will be red and white. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I think his trainer was down as Jermaine Defoe, wasn't it? <laughs> superb. Uh, absolutely superb. Right, Formula One is back, Hamish. Australian yes. Grand Prix, and I'm going to give you some credit here. Ferrari, you you mentioned Ferrari a couple of times in, in the build up to to this, and and we were talking about the training and stuff like that. And Sebastian Vettel from from nowhere, just where's the skates came back? I watched the first yeah. fourteen laps or so, and Hamilton looked absolutely. He looked absolutely fine. Looked as if I was like, "Oh, Hamilton's won that." And then, problem with the the pitting, and it's it's absolutely fell into Vettel's Vettel's lap, and and he's won the first race. Yeah, I think there's one thing we take from this first race is the fact that Mercedes' dominance is over. Lewis Hamilton and his mm-hmm. new teammate Valtteri Bottas finished second and third. Sebastian Vettel wins the race for Ferrari. Um, I just heard obviously from from the. The kind of the um, the word escapes me when they they kind of practice the cars beforehand. Is there a word for that in Formula One? Qualifying. No, the pre the whole kind of championship type thing in the pre season almost. We'll call it. We'll Te- call it training. Testing is that the word? Testing. I a sim- a simple testing, word yeah. that I couldn't even remember. Anyway, Ferrari looked quite good in the testing, and uh, Sebastian Vettel, as you say, has come out and won it. It was a, a straight fight between him and Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton will be looking to respond this week as they, they go to China. Um, this one this one could be interesting as well. It's, it's usually the same kind of guys that you're looking at for the Formula One. Um, but I think it could well signal a new a new birth for Ferrari this year as Mercedes have dominated it last year, the year before. And I think you could see Ferrari coming back with their, their new cars since the, the new introduction of faster cars and um, it could well be seen Sebastian Vettel stand in the middle of that podium a few more times this year yeah first win quite unbelievable first win for Vettel since 2015 mm. like it's he, he went through the whole last season without a win and it to be fair to him he, he done really well because I, I watched the say I watched the first 15 or so laps and I watched the highlights and he didn't really need to do much in terms of uh, smart racing. He just 
there was a a, a bad pit stop from from Hamilton, and I would say I would say in Hamilton's defence, if that had went all right, he'd have won. Yeah. And and Vettel might have came second, um, but Bottas getting the the podium, Mercedes will be delighted with the two three, and they would they would be hoping again for for one two in the in the, the lineup of the the grid going into the Chinese Grand Prix, but. Um, that's interesting. I think it'll be much more open this year. It won't just be a straight spot, a straight fight between two guys. I think there'll be three or four involved, and we'll see kind of across the board. You maybe see up to five or six different winners yeah. of the races. Well, there's no Nico Rosberg this year. That, that's the obvious thing straight away. So it is probably going to be slightly more open from from the off. But I think the, the narrative going into this week's race um, and it finishes on Sunday, of course. Sorry, in China. Is mm. that um, it's it's going to be Lewis Hamilton looking to to you know, reassert his dominance on on this field, and it's going to be very very interesting. I think I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that, that Hamilton will come back and win this week, but it'll be well worth worth a watch on Sunday, whatever time it will be on Sunday. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but um, it's live on um, on Sky, I think, or whoever I've got the rights, and, and BBC Radio Five Live. I've got I've got the radio commentary as well, so I'll certainly be tuning in. For uh, for the end of the race because it seems like this year could be a very interesting race for the old F one yeah. uh, year. Sorry for the old F one. I I would I would urge anybody who hasn't listened to a race on Five Live just do it for the experience. Aye, it's it's cool. completely <laughs> surreal, but uh, I you know you should definitely do that. I'm going. I, I will agree with you. I think Hamilton will be back and uh, I think he'll be on pole and I think he'll probably win this. And but second and third place are always going to be interesting to see how Vettel gets on after uh, winning the, the first race in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's the Premier League. Um, it's the first uh, week of the final. Is that what it is, the final eight? Yeah, so, so basically, they, for anyone not familiar with the darts, they lose their first... The, the bottom two players are effectively not relegated, but they're chucked out. Eliminated was the word. Yes. Um, struggling from a dictionary today. But um, <laughs> they were, they're eliminated from the tournament. So Kim Hybricks, um left the tournament. It's also worth pointing out that... Uh, to, uh, Kim Hybricks and his brother Ronnie Hybricks lost um, their mother uh, mm. last week. That's why Kim Hybricks wasn't playing um, last week, and he he received a, or the, the player who's meant to be playing Peter Wright received a, a seven 0 victory over him. He joined by Yella Klassen uh, and leaving the Premier League of Darts, and uh, it leaves the final eight. And those two, all due respect to them, kind of pretty new. Certainly, Yella Klassen's first year in the Premier League. Hybricks, I think, maybe played a year before. Those two were kind of the whipping boys, as maybe showed a little by the table. Perhaps that's a little harsh because a lot of the games were close. Mm. But those two are out, and now pretty much anyone I think will be able to beat anyone. It could make for a fantastic end to the Premier League that season. There, there's so many players. MVG is obviously going to be the the, the big talking point wherever he wherever he is wherever he goes he is but um, I, I think you only have to look at the fixtures this week and last week the odds were very much stacked in the favourites favour this mm-hmm. week there's a lot a lot of close matches you've got James Wade MVG which is probably going to be an MVG victory but from there on you've got the old classic which is Barney against Phil Taylor you've got Chisnell against Wright could go anyway Lewis Anderson could go anyway in the final game mm-hmm. Wade Van Barneveld you could easily see either of them winning it. So it's going to be a fantastic uh, Thursday of darts and um, here's to the rest of the season, I think. 
Yes, so they, these top eight, they play against each other a few times and then it gets down to a semi-final. They play against right? each other once and you'll, right. ha- you'll still have the five games on a Thursday night like before. Right. So this week, for example, you've got, as I say, Wade is playing twice, as yeah. is Raymond Van Barneville. So they play twice this week, the rest play once. Five games and then the top four of the eight will go into the, the final week at the, the ABC in London. And uh, or the, the O2 in London, I think it's called actually, and um, and they play first against fourth, second against third, and then the two winners play in, in the final. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. I mean, pick your top four right now. You're really struggling. MVG will be mm. there, I think. Gary Anderson will be there, I think. From there on, Barnaby's playing well. Be there. Peter Wright may well be there, but he's struggling with his finishing at the moment. So so I don't know. Um, in ter- terms of our cooping this Thursday, what are you thinking, Paul? Are you thinking maybe. I don't know. I've got, I've got a wee feeling that um, I feel. I think Gary Anderson will beat Adrian Lewis, but he's a little too short for my liking at four to seven. So I don't know about that. Lewis, there's been a bit of running joke going on between me and my pals. That Lewis just looks as if he, he can't be arsed with the Premier League this year. He's so lethargic, <laughs> and he's just kind of like, oh well, yeah, I might win, I might not. So I think Gary Anderson um, might win that this week. From there on, I don't know. Dave Chisholm mm-hmm. seems a big price against Peter Wright. James White, James White, twelve to one against MVG, massive mm-hmm. price. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not against the, it's not against the realms of possibility, but I would imagine, looking at it, um, I would say, Gary Anderson, Peter Wright, and then, yeah, another Barney maybe to beat Taylor in a treble, something possibly. like that. Aye, possibly. Um, I don't know, I think we'll maybe just stay away. I'm fed up losing people money. Um, so so don't bet on this, whatever you do. But if you were going to bet, um, Gary Anderson, Peter Wright, and what Raymond Van Barneville to beat, who, Taylor or Wade, what are you thinking? We'll go, well, we'll go Taylor, because Wade will be out for blood after getting hammered for the MVG. Yeah, so if, if you want to stick um, a tenner in that, it'll return 60 quid. <laughs> So, uh, quick news, we've got um, a year to go until the Gold Coast 2018, yes. can you believe it? it's been three years since Glasgow 2014 already, it's, it's quite baffling that, 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 how, that how quickly that's came around, um, I don't know if any, anyone knows, I was quite highly involved with Glasgow 2014, worked mm. at the, the Bulls, if anybody went to the Bulls they would have seen me, <laughs> um, I was what was, your role? what was your role at the Bulls? So I was a uh, stadium announcer, um, basically in the build up to the games I would interview fans and players and, and stuff like that I also read out the scores and announced the, the officials into the stadium and all of the, the players into the stadium which was quite difficult when you got guys from uh, places like Botswana and Kenya and mm. things like that um, do, you want to give, do you want to give the listeners a wee, a wee example of your voice you used when you were introducing players into well, the, the bowling ring the, the, there's one that, there's one that stands out and it's really funny because it's, it's kind of became a running joke because at the bowling club where I'm a member of the guys asked me like what was the what was it like and what we had to do was so um, if I was reading a singles match for example so Darren uh, Darren Burnett so we would say and Darren Burnett representing Scotland will be up against Gugu Vivero Gaguna of Kenya <laughs> <laughs> that was the guy's name so it was things like that and it, it was difficult and then obviously after that it was medal ceremonies so we had to um, I announced all the medal ceremonies for the, the Bulls so if you ever watched the, um, any of the guys were picking up the, the gold medals and there was plenty for Scotland um, it was my voice in the mm. background believe it or not but there you go and have uh, uh, Gold Coast been in contact with you yet? Eh, not yet I'm, uh, I'm quite surprised but um, Bulls in Australia is absolutely massive so 
they they will have someone in place. I I would more than imagine they they will, uh, but it's it's completely different over there. But what are you looking forward to? Um, I think there's, there's one new sport. I think beach volleyball is new mm. for for twenty eighteen. It's not a huge sport, but cue all the cue all the dads out there getting excited about next summer. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah. There, there's so much. And I, I love Commonwealth Games. I'm a big fan of athletics and stuff like that. But um, I would say. The, the bowls if you don't if you're something different eh, give that a watch but what would you look out for Hamish? Oh, I just love the athletics I was at the 100 metre final I was at the 200 metre final I was at the 800 metre final um, all fantastic races and um, I, I just I love the athletics and uh, I think hopefully hopefully the big names will be there um, there'll be no Usain Bolt uh, I don't think, which is no. obviously a, a, a kind of a blow for for the tournament. But athletics will just need to go on without Usain Bolt, as hard as that seems. And I, I think there's enough other talents out there, and um, that are, are going to be are going to be out there. And I, th- I think there's, there's plenty to look forward to. And Scotland, hopefully, going to go and try and beat their total, as hard as it may seem. From from Glasgow, you have. You have you have lots and lots of excitement there. Laura Muir will be there. She'll be mm. she'll be going for it big time. Um, she'll be the poster girl, eh? Hundred percent. She'll be the poster girl. Think. Definitely. Um, and th- there's others out there. Ailey Doyle. Um, mm. Perhaps if she can get her act together, could could be a, a medal hope as well. So th- there's lots and lots of excitement about. The reason we're talking about this is the schedule for what is now, as you say, next year's Commonwealth Games. Crazy. Because, yeah. as you say, I can still remember the closing ceremony with Kylie Minogue's wonderful voice belting out songs in the Hamden Turf, um, where um, Deacon Blue had, had just been hours before. And that, that's three years ago now. Um, well, almost three years ago now, which is hard to believe. But yeah, um, all that to look forward to. It's a year away, Gold Coast, Australia. The, the first medal to be won uh, is a women's triathlon. That will be on Thursday the 5th of April. Today, that is, we're recording exactly one year to 2018 yeah it's so, yeah. quite interesting parallels because I'm pretty sure triathlon was the first for, for Glasgow as well because um, the person who was doing the same job as me was working for a whole two days mm. so they did the triathlon whereas I was working for 14 doing the bowls so maybe, <laughs> quite... maybe bowls should learn to quicken up its act then and make it more exciting give it the, give it the Barry Hearn treatment and get some <laughs> uh, I don't know what could you do to bowls could you have maybe just a guy just nah. kind of standing with a stopwatch just or maybe make it more explosive like every time a ball goes in just have a cannon go off or something like that uh, they would need something like that to make it more exciting it's, it's very much a, a, a mundane sport shall we say for the for the spectators but it does get animated at, at points too but yeah. uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll just say this is a quick news section so we're just jumping through uh, some other things that have happened Glasgow Warriors um, bowed out of the Champions Cup and to be fair it was unexpected but yeah. I think Glasgow would have liked to have had a better account of themselves against yeah. Saracens. They're 7-1 to one going into the game, Glasgow, so it was always going to be a tall order to give Saracens a game. Saracens, Saracens sorry, of course, the defending champions of what used to be called the Heineken Cup. It's obviously lost its sponsorship now. It's just known as the European Rugby Champions Cup. Um, so yeah, they lost 38-13 in, in London and um, it was 14-3 at half-time and Saracens We'll go on to play Munster in the semi-final so as quick news goes um, that is pretty quick and uh, Glasgow are out so better luck next year lads but it's been a great journey you think back to the victory over Leicester and 
the, the big the close game against Munster that went right to the death uh, in, in Glasgow. So it's, it's been a good year for Glasgow, but next year they'll be hoping to go further than, than the quarterfinals. Yes, and, and last last but not least, uh, a little bit of funny news. Formula One, or former Formula One driver, Jensen mm-hmm. Button, um, he's been disqualified from a, an Ironman competition. And explain what happened, Hamish. Yeah, well, Jensen Button, as you say, Formula um, former Formula One. <laughs> Difficult he, was, to say he, was, he was doing the, the Ironman, which is in what order is it? Swim, cycle, run. Run. Yeah, I, it's, it's like a triathlon, but it's absolutely brutal. Yeah, one point two mile swim, fifty six mile cycle, and a half marathon. Uh, I've done a half marathon, so I've done a third of that, and I was absolutely knackered. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so basically, he's he's been um, <laughs> been disqualified. Um, for help me out here, Paul. What speeding. exactly did he do? He would be speeding. So how, how um, can he speed? There's uh, apparently there's a bit of the race where you have to slow down to a certain pace when you're on the bike. Right. And it's it's just all to do with health and safety, and he, he never bothered. So um, he was on the podium. Apparently, he's done very mm. well, and he was stripped of this and completely disqualified. Um, and he said, like, I think he he took it in quite good stead and said, like, on to the next one. So, he's obviously try, like keeping ultra fit and and doing a lot of uh, stuff like this and and fair play to him. Like, it's, it's, it's no mean feat doing. I, I can even contemplate doing a one point two mile swim. Never mind the rest. I of it, can so. barely even say Ironman. So <laughs> I think I I struggle to actually do one. It's um it's pretty tough. It is probably the most gruelling physical exercise isn't it so yeah, I mean, no, if, if there's any listeners out there that have ever attempted um, maybe not even completed but attempted an Ironman um, give us a wee tweet and let us know what it's like yeah no certainly um, we will we'll move on sport and performance of the week our usual section we usually pick one person each who's who's picked, who's caught your eye giving it to Joanna Conta who we spoke about at the start of the podcast for her victory in Miami I think she's got massive potential it was a real watershed moment for her winning such a big tournament in the, the WTA and I think she's going from, from strength to strength here it was a real strong dominant performance in the final to beat Caroline Wozniacki of course former world number one and I think that Joanna Conta will be hoping to be world number one at some point in the future and, and who's to say it couldn't be at some point in the next couple of years Excellent. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Saracens. I think um, I know we just touched on it briefly, but to have such a dominant performance against the Glasgow side that could have caused them a lot of problems was yeah. was pretty good. And and to be the defending champions, there's always that extra pressure on you. So to get a 38 13 win without really breaking sweat, I think it is testament to what they are doing. And Glasgow, as we said, are a great great side, but absolutely thrown aside by by Saracens. So that's my pick for sporting performance of the week. And that is us for uh, this podcast number one of the week. We, we do, as we mentioned at the start of the show, we have podcast number two. We're going to do a Masters preview, talking about the, probably, in, in my opinion, one of the best competitions in, in the sporting world. So yeah. look out for that over the next kind of few hours. But uh, as always, thank you very much for listening. Um, it, it, it's, it's great that we have people tuning in and, and, and interacting with the podcast. If if you are new to the podcast and you enjoyed it, have a, a 
cool on iTunes and, and leave us a wee review or a rating if that's where you are. If you're on SoundCloud, give us a wee thumbs up. Or we're on Twitter as well, uh, at sideline underscore scoop, where we can be found ranting about whatever sporting yeah. uh, thing is happening and uh, giving bad betting tips as usual. Mm-hmm. So um, until the very next podcast, which will be with you in a few hours, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for joining me for this one, Hamish. No worries. And uh, we'll speak to you all soon. Cheers. Cheers.